All right, all right, all right, man. Y'all could go ahead and have a seat. Man, I hope you're having a great morning. And I know it's already been said, but it's worth saying again. He is risen. All right, man. There you go. Kaysen, were you listening to that? All right. He called out his brother. He said, man, will you, will you find my brother, Corbin, and will you speak sense to him? Because when I saw him after Sunday school, the first thing that I told him was, he is risen. He just looked at me like, yeah, he did. But does he not know, Pastor Justin, does he not know that he's supposed to say he is risen indeed? All right, so Corbin, now you know, all right? Case, and I told you I had your back, all right? He's in my life group, all right? And so here's the thing, man. I hope that you're having a great morning. And man, oh man, it really is a blessing to be able to be here, standing here on this stage this morning, filling in for Pastor Matt on Easter Sunday. So thank you so much for joining us at the beginning of the service in prayer for the Beasley family. Man, I know our church family appreciates that. But more importantly, I know the Beasley family appreciates that. And so for anybody that's feeling shortchanged or jip because they said, hold up, <laughs> man, I'm here on Sunday morning and the pastor's not even here, don't worry, all right? Matt gave me his sermon notes, all right? Woo! That's how you do it last minute. He says, here's my notes. And then I looked at them and I'm not going to lie, there were so many big words in that like set of notes right there. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to leave him right over here, all right? So if he says, did he use them, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm all right? Man, there were so many words that I had no idea what they meant. And instead of, like, asking all those, like, pastoral rhetorical questions, you know, that great pastors do, it just had me asking myself questions like, man, how quick can Matt get back? Because I don't understand what any of these mean, all right? But here's the thing. Man, I need my pastor to come here and make it plain like he does on every Sunday morning. And he doesn't do that because of his own talents or his own power, but he does that through the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer today, that the Holy Spirit would move today just as he has last Sunday and the Sunday before that, all right? And so here's the thing, man. When it comes to asking questions as a Christ follower, that should be something that we're not scared to do. Don't be scared to ask questions, all right? Man, my mom always said, if you have a question, be bold enough to ask it. Boy, I wore that out in school so much that my sixth grade science teacher would always write a note to the sub that says, hey, if this guy with the first name Justin and the last name Milton starts asking questions, he's only limited to two, all right? Because he's going to try to derail the classroom. And that's exactly what I was trying to do. But I also had questions that I wanted to know the answers to, all right? And as Christ followers, when we get into the Word, man, reading God's Word ought to make us want to ask more questions, and asking those questions is how we get deeper in the Word. But let me tell you about a lesson that I learned a couple years ago. Asking questions during a children's sermon, whoo, that's a whole different ball game, all right? I don't know if y'all remember, but we were all gathered right here. Uncle Justin was opening up the Word for all the kids, and I just said, hey, open mic session. Let me give you the mic. I'm going to ask a question, and I wasn't ready for some of the things that were shared, and oh my goodness, Miss Poinsettia uh, was something that comes back to my recollection, all right? Uh, if you were there, then you know. If you weren't, then uh, maybe it hasn't been scrubbed off the internet yet, all right? Man, I want you at this time to elbow your neighbor and tell them to listen up, all right? Tell them not only to listen up, but elbow them one more time and say, let's get ready to do this, all right? And then the last thing, elbow them one more time and say, are you ready? 
Because like you just told them to get ready. So you need to make sure that they are ready because we're about to do some spiritual tabo, some real B90X. We're about to be all up in the box doing some cross referencing. That's like, I don't work out. So that's like all I could go right there. But, but here's the thing, man, we are covering something so big that it's going to take us three different passages to get the entire picture of what God is doing right here. And so I want us to stay active in the word this morning and take a look at three things. Number one, Jesus is foretelling of Peter's denial. Number two, Peter's denial. And then number three, and I love this, Peter's restoration. See, every single one of those passages is important. Can they stand alone? Yes, they can stand alone. But the picture is complete when we get to that third and final passage when we break down Peter's restoration. So if you have your Bible with you today, I want you to go ahead and turn, tap, or scroll your way to the book of Luke chapter 22. That's where we're going to be camping out for a little bit. Luke chapter 22. And so if you don't have your Bible, man, that's okay. Nobody's throwing shades your way. We want to tell you that we got your back, all right? There is a Bible that you can utilize in the back of the pew that's right in front of you. And so we want you to not only use that Bible, but, man, we would encourage you to take that Bible home. Let that be a gift from our church to you. And if you don't know where to find the Gospel of Luke, that's okay. Man, it's the third of four Gospels. It's the third book in the New Testament. But there is a cheat code at the front of that Bible called a table of contents, and it'll tell you exactly what page that is on. And so as you find your way to Luke chapter 22, man, let me remind you that the big numbers are the chapters and the small numbers are the verses. And that's where we're going to be starting. Luke chapter 22. And if you're there, we're going to get right into it, starting in verse 31 through 34. But as you turn there, man, let me ask you to pray three things with me. Number one, let's pray that the Lord would speak today. Number two, let's pray that his spirit would communicate truth, that we would listen. And then the third thing, that that truth would set us free. Those three things are easy to say, but they're hard to do. And that's why we need our heavenly father and our spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's power to be able to, uh, to walk through on all of those things. All right, let's pray that he would speak, that we would listen, and that that truth would set us free. Bow with me. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, God, thank you so much that we're able to gather here on an Easter Sunday. God, thank you for that we're able to boldly proclaim that you have risen, that you have risen indeed. And God, thank you so much for the truth that is found in your scripture. God, we pray that we're able to do you justice And we're able to unpack this scripture in a way that would pry open our hard hearts and would only result in a response to what that truth is saying. God, for that to take place, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, we have so many things that are vying for our attention. God, we pray that we would not get distracted. But God, we would listen to you loud and clearly. So God, we pray that you would speak and we pray that we would hear your spirit's truth. And then third and finally, God, we pray that we would see that truth set us free. God, we pray that our hearts would be changed, that we would leave here differently. God, that the way we communicate with our families would be different. God, the way that we communicate with our coworkers would be different. God, that we would be able to be a light 
Not so people see us, but so people are pointed to our Heavenly Father. God, help us to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, and we're starting with verse 31, and we'll read this very first passage. It's 31 through 34. We'll put them verse by verse on the screen, but this is what it says in verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. In verse 33, Peter said, in a way that only Peter can, right? He says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus, in verse 34, said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow on this day until you deny three times that you know me, all right? And so here's the thing. I mean, the very first thing that I want us to understand that I think that if we're reading the scripture too fast, we can easily gloss over this. We could easily just run over it or we can miss it all together. But right out of the gate, man, we see that Jesus was aware of the spiritual battle that was going on behind the scenes. I know that's crazy to talk about, and sometimes we don't like to talk about that, all right? But we're not talking about it. Jesus is the one talking about it, okay? And he's letting Peter know that there's something going on behind the scenes that's bigger than him. There's something more dangerous than him. There's something that he does not even understand, and he cannot comprehend. And so our Heavenly Father is saying, Peter, man, I want to let you know that Satan demanded to have you. And so right out of the gates... Man, we have to understand that Jesus knew what was happening, and Peter was no doubt ignorant to the fact of what was going on. The other disciples, I don't know that they understood what was going on. I don't know that they understood that Satan wanted to sift them as wheat, that Satan wanted to completely crush and defeat Peter and the disciples as well. But it's worth noting that Satan couldn't do whatever he wanted to do. Did y'all hear what it said in the Scripture? It's worth noting that, man, Satan had to ask God for permission. And as he was asking God for permission, let's not forget what Jesus did right here. Because it says, but I have prayed for you. See, Peter, I wanted to let you know that Satan wants to do this, but I have prayed for you. I mean, we have to understand that the fact that Satan did not completely crush Peter had nothing to do with Peter. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of diet you're on. It doesn't matter what type of workout regimen you're on. You're never going to be fit or strong enough to overpower Satan. And here's the thing, not on your own. I mean, it all had to do because Jesus prayed specifically for Peter. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, church family. And that should move us when we remember that Jesus prays for his people. If you have been adopted into his family, then you are part of the family. You are his people, and he prays for you. Don't forget that. Man, he prays for his people. Men, we're able to do things not on our own power, but because he prays for us, the protection that he gives us from Satan. Men, if you want more things to look at, and if you're into cross-referencing, then go check out Hebrews chapter 7. Go check out Revelation chapter 12. Man, those are great examples of Jesus praying for his people. And so surely there are many times that you and I would have failed, but Jesus was praying for us. Think about that. I mean, if you're bold enough to share your testimony, 
if you realize when Jesus is actually working in and through you, man, that's part of your story. And if you're in tune to those things, then you would understand that there's a lot of times that our life would be totally different, but Jesus was praying for us. And what was he praying? He tells us right here that he was praying for Peter, and he was saying, man, I'm praying that your faith would not fail. See, we kind of have an advantage because we know the story. And if we don't know the story, we can read ahead so that we can understand the story. But we have to understand that they were living the story. And so Jesus was saying, man, you don't understand what is happening around you, but I've been praying for you. So, so right here, may you may not fail. Peter's faith would falter but it would not fail. Y'all can write that down because that's helpful for us to remember that our faith will falter, but in Christ we cannot fail. Man, Jesus did not see Peter's temporary lapse that was about to take place as a failure of faith because Jesus knows everything and he knows the future and he knew that Peter would return to him. Man, just the other day, I was cleaning out the garage, and if Pastor Matt asks, he's probably going to say, I've been cleaning out my garage for the last two years, all right? And that's true. That is true, all right? But I was out there cleaning, and I was unpacking a box, and I found a case of old CDs. Oh, my goodness. Talk about walking through, you know, all the memories and all the lyrics that flooded. I won't tell you everything that I used to listen to because I don't want to brag, all right? But, but here's the thing. I was going through all these CDs, and I'm looking at, I know it's Family Sunday, and some of you kids are like, CDs, CDs, see what? All right, see, a CD is like this small circle, and like if you shine it just right, you know, the light will hit you in the eye. It kind of looks like rainbows, and somehow, magically, there's music on there. And we used to take those things and put them in CD players, and then we used to listen to the music that was on the CD. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Ask your parents later, all right? But here's the thing. I was going through these CDs, and I found one of my favorite, man, DC Talks Jesus Freak album. Oh, my goodness. Woo, don't let me start singing, all right? But here's the thing. So many things flooded my mind. Man, so many good memories. But there's this one song, and there's this chorus in this song, and it says, what if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Will the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble? What if I fall? Man, that's a lot of rhetorical questions right there, all right? but they're not going to be rhetorical because we're about to answer them, all right? Man, what if we do those things? We will do those things, all right? Man, as Christ's followers, we will fall, all right? We will slip up. Man, sin is still going to be evident in our life, but here's the thing. We understand that we're no longer slaves of sin, right? Man, in the Christian life, we're going to falter. We're going to stumble. We may trip, fall, and make fools of us all swag, all right? But in Christ Jesus, we will never fail. There's a difference. There's a big difference. So church family, the reason why I want to point that out is there's some of us in here today that we've denied Jesus Christ in some way. Man, we've denied his teaching. We denied his power. We denied his lordship. And if that's you today, man, I plead with you to return back to him immediately. Because guess what? Man, he's ready to receive you. 
Men, he knows your situation. He understands the struggle. And he's ready to receive you with open arms. And as we continue reading the scripture, it says, and having returned, we must then focus towards helping others. Some of us, that's part of our testimony. See, we were Christ followers, but we kind of followed a different path for a minute. But then the Lord worked in and through somebody, through the moving of the Spirit. We realized our wrong ways, and then we started following Christ. And here's the thing. It says, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Man, I love that we serve a God that can take a mess and turn it into your message. He can take the test that he walks you through and turn them into your testimony. Man, we have to understand that the one who returns is called to strengthen their brothers. One way you do that is if he's blessed you and he's brought you back, that you need to look around and see who's missing. And when you see who's missing, you need to go after them. Man, you need to be ready for them. You need to strengthen them. And he's telling Peter, this is what I want you to do. And Peter's response says it all. Like he says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Let's do this. Again, we know the whole story. And we understand that it didn't really unfold like this, right? But here's the thing. I want y'all to understand that I don't believe that Peter was constantly, like, consciously lying right here, but rather he was unaware of both the spiritual reality, all right, and the spiritual battle that Jesus could see that he referenced earlier, but Peter was unaware of. And so Peter merely looked at how he felt in this situation, and in this moment, Peter felt pretty brave. What about that church family? Have you ever felt brave? Have you ever, like, puffed out the chest? You thought you could do something only to be brought back to reality, only to be humbled before the fall, right? But here's the thing. I think we have to be careful not to live in the fields. I work with a pastor. His name is Ryan, and he told me, man, he, this is what he told me. He said he lives in the reels, all right? That's something different. That's on social media. That's on the ground, all right? But listen, we need to be careful that we don't live in the fields, all right? We have to understand that making decisions based on how we feel is not a sturdy foundation to stand upon, all right? Guys, I have to tell myself this all the time. That's why I don't go grocery shopping when I feel hungry, all right? Woo, that's dangerous. That's dangerous for me and for my savings account, all right? Man, if you go shopping when you feel hungry, you're going to buy what you want instead of what you need. There's times that we don't feel like getting up and going to work. There's times that we don't feel like getting up and going to school. Dads, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much you work. Let's say you put in eight hours, nine hours, ten hours plus. There's probably times that you pull into the driveway and you don't feel like being a great husband when you go home. You don't feel like being a great dad when you walk in those doors. But you better realize it's not about what you feel like. It's about what you've been called to do. There's a big difference in that. And so we have to be careful not to live in the fields 
we have to understand that relying on how we feel at the, main, at, at the moment, that's not a sta- stable foundation. And, and Peter, he felt brave at the moment, but man, he would soon be intimidated by a humble servant girl who asked him, do you know Jesus? And he denied him, all right? We have to recognize We have to understand to not live in our feelings, but instead build our foundation on the truth that is found in God's word. Man, it goes on, and this is how he wraps up this little portion. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Jesus told Peter what was going to happen. Do y'all understand that? Jesus told Peter the truth about himself, He told him the truth about the situation, but he did not break this down to discourage him. But instead, again, I think to inform him, Peter, may you better keep your head on a swivel because there's things that are happening. There's things that are swirling around this situation that are bigger than you. There's things that you can't see. There's things that you are unaware of. But because I'm Christ, I know them all too well. Man, as we keep on going through the scriptures Man, I want us to see the second portion of this story today. And that's when Peter denies Jesus. And so, man, we're still in Luke 22, but we're going to kind of make our way down to verse 54. Some things have already happened. Man, we understand that they spent a time in prayer in the garden where Christ was praying and the disciples were sleeping. Remember, we understand that Judas came and he sold him out with a kiss and and they took him away. We understand that a lot of things have happened and we pick up in verse 54 and this is what it says. Then they seized him and they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him, but he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Verse 59, and after an interval of about an hour still, another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitter, bitterly. I mean, there's so much right there. And it's, and it's so neat to see how each of the Gospels kind of offer different details in a different perspective. And it's not that some are leaving things out, but some of them have more details than the others. But one thing that I want us to focus on is kind of how this passage begins, this portion of it right here. And it said, Peter was following at a distance. Think about what happened to all the disciples. They fled. They were out of there. They didn't know what was happening. I mean, if they arrested Jesus, they might come and arrest me. But, Jesus, but, but right here, we understand that Peter, he had a different approach. See, he was following at a distance, 
He was concerned for Jesus and he wanted to know what would become of him, yet he didn't have the courage for a clear association with Jesus and therefore he was following at a distance. Man, has that ever been you in your life? Man, as I'm preparing, man, my heart is breaking because I know that there were times when I was in high school that I was a Christ follower, but I only chose at times to follow him at a distance because maybe in this little section, I did not want to, I wanted to impress these people. Man, maybe I felt like if I was too loud about following Christ, man, they wouldn't let me be their friends. Or even so, man, whether it be high school and, and, and chasing certain things that, that, that are really fleeting or just in your own life, parenting your kids, there's times when sometimes it's easier to, to go one way than to go the right way. And there's times that, man, I was only following at a distance. Man, I believe that that's some of us today. Man, we're only following Jesus at a distance. Man, we want to be close enough so if something good is happening, we were there, but we want to be far enough away so that we're not associated with it if it goes south, right? Man, we want to make, you know, the Sunday experience on Easter helpful to anybody that comes, whether you're church family or you're a visitor. And so we were trying to, like, tell people, hey, man, set further, uh, you know, further up front so visitors don't feel like they got to sit on the front row. Man, if you want to make more room, park over an Alliance Bank. And I know that those are, like, steps out of faith, and it's easy for somebody to say, but, man, do we really think that it's going to be that crowded? Joe, do we really need all those signs? Like, do we really think that we're going to need additional overflow parking? There's some of us that we want to get close enough so that if we do, we're like, what up? Did y'all see that? Oh, my goodness, man, it was crowded. But if we don't, we were just far enough that we don't have to be associated with it. And if we're real bold, then we might say, see, I told you, all right? But here's the thing. Keeping his distance, it would actually make it much harder and more difficult for Peter to admit his association with Jesus when he was questioned by these people. And so here's the thing, man, he followed at a distance, maybe hoping to prove Jesus's prediction wrong, that he would stand up for him and that he would not deny and forsake him. But, but here's the thing, at this moment, somebody had put up a fire. They had kindled a fire, sound from the city, put up a fire. <laughs> man, what am I talking about, all right? They had kindled a fire and they all sat down by the fire together. Now, man, <laughs> I've been blessed to be able to do ministry here for, for a while. And for some of those who were here when we first got here, we used to do this fall camping trip out in Beaver's Bend, all right? And my family loves Beaver's Bend, but they love glamping, all right? We were tent camping, all right? And so any of y'all, I'm looking around, the Shires, man, if y'all were there when we were doing these tent camping retreats, then you understand that when it's freezing cold outside, the perfect fire is just what the doctor ordered. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, I, I thought about using uh, man camp as an example, but whew, it, those of you men that have been to man camp, y'all realize that Jeff Jones, he doesn't know how to build a campfire. He only knows how to build bonfires, all right? 
And so that's a little bit different, man. That's really tall. And like, you can't get within 100 feet or you'll lose like all your facial hair. But so I wasn't going close to that, all right? And so here's the thing. Man, they're gathered around this fire. And, and the text says, Peter sat with this group. Now, what group is this? This is the group that is rallying around getting Jesus arrested and taking him all over the place to try to get him convicted. And Peter was among them. Yes, he was finding warmth around the fire, but he was hoping to blend in. But by doing so, he put himself among the servants of those who arrested and persecuted Jesus. We got to be careful as Christ followers. Students, you got to be careful and stop using that, well, you know, they, they, they need to know Jesus too, and they do, right? They do. But you got to understand, don't use that as a cop-out because it's e easier for them to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up, all right? And so here's the thing. Check this out. Peter sat around them and amongst them. And having forsaken the, the fellowship of the fleeing disciples, man, at this time, he didn't even want to be identified as a follower of Christ. Man, what do you think they were talking about around the fire? See, a fire is crazy because a fire can hypnotize you. If you've been around a good fire, you could just look at the embers and lose yourself in those fires, those embers and things like that, all right? But no telling what that conversation was like, no telling how he tried to chime in. But in the mix, a servant girl was in the conversation and was like, hold up, wait a minute, something right. And at that moment, called him out. And in the span of these five verses, this happened three times. And first, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. He said, woman, I don't know him. Then secondly, he denied being a follower of Jesus. Somebody else said, man, hold up, wait a minute, something right. I think I saw you. I think you're one of the followers. And his response was, man, I am not. And then the third one, somebody tried to call him out on his accent. That's never happened to me. I don't know. I don't know what it is, all right? But I'll play it. Listen, somebody said, wait a minute, something right. You sound just like him. I know. You probably ran with him. You even sound like you're from Galilee. And he said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And when he says no in this, man, in this context, it's like twofold. I don't even know Jesus and I don't even know of Jesus. I don't even know about him, all right? This is about how far he has gone. And, and, and in Matthew chapter 26, it says he goes so far that this third and final denial even began to, to, to have curse and swear words in there, all right? And I don't know, man, there's nothing more awkward than somebody who does not talk like that, hanging around people who do talk like that and decides to talk like that so he can try to fake out the people who talk like that, that he talks like that. Are y'all following me? Some of us have been there. And, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself, all right? Because they knew that it wasn't real. They knew that it wasn't legit and they called him out on it. And as he was denying Christ for the third time, the rooster begins to crow. And at that moment, Jesus looked through the crowd and made eye contact with Peter. And it's mind-blowing, everything that's going on right here in this scripture. And it says that Peter was immediately convicted of a sin. 
not only his denial of Jesus, but also the pride that led him to think that he could go without denying him. And at that moment, Peter remembered, what's it say? He remembered the word of the Lord. He was convicted by it. And he left crying bitterly at that moment. And here's what I want to say. Man, like I said earlier, each one of these passages are amazing. Can they stand alone? Yes. But if we end it right here, man, it ends on the wrong note. And I, and I think what is cool is because we know how the story goes, we need to understand and make note that Peter was convicted and he was weeping bitterly, but he was not without hope. See, as much as Jesus' promise that Peter would deny him came true, so was the promise that your faith should not fail. That's what Jesus prayed. So Peter fell down, but he had not fallen away. And because of that, that's what makes this last passage so precious. So if you have your Bible, I want you to flip over to John. One more gospel to the right. We're going to be in John chapter 21, and we'll read verses 15 through 19. And what a beautiful picture of how Jesus restores Peter. The same guy who boldly said, man, I'll go to prison with you. I'll even go to death with you. But then bopped when a servant girl said, aren't you like, don't, aren't, like weren't you rolling with Jesus? No, nah, I don't know him. The same guy who denied him three times. Check this out in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said back to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. In verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Man, this passage unpacks the perfect picture of restoration. And it's wild, again, man, when we read Scripture, let's not read it so fast that we just, like, miss things that are out there screaming, don't miss me, don't miss me, don't miss me. 
And we don't even have, like, this whole passage, the greater passage is so mind-blowing because Jesus just pops up on the scene, and they see him walking on the beach, but they don't realize who it is. And he says, hey, have y'all caught any fish? And they said, nah, we haven't caught any fish. And then he says, well, man, go ahead and throw it on the other side. And they're thinking, this dude's not a fisherman, or he'd be in the boat with us, all right? But they throw it on the other side, and it says all of a sudden they caught 153 fish. Man, you better believe I'm putting that on social media if that was me, all right? Because if I'm catching a fish, it's usually only this big, and I'm holding it out like that so it looks as big as it can in the picture. But, but here's the thing. They catch all this fish. They come up to this fire, a campfire, a charcoal fire. And this is wild. Like, don't overlook the fact that the last time Peter was asked questions about Jesus in the presence of a campfire, he denied him three times. And so it's so fitting that around a campfire, Peter is again asked the question about Jesus three times. But this time, however, the questions are entirely different. Man, there's a whole different context going on. And therefore, we have an entirely different agenda that's unfolding for this time the questions come not from the accusers but from the one himself who is the foremost accused and this time the questions come not before but after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and so we got to understand that the questions this time that Jesus asked do not take life but instead they seek to restore it for the person asking the questions has already paid the price with his own life. And he asked him three times, he says, do you love me more than these? If you're really literal, you might think he's talking about the fish because he's a fisherman, right? He said, stop being a fisherman and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? And so he gave up his career to follow Christ. But then we understand that how it all unfolded. Now he's walked away from being a Christ follower, right? We think that he's gone away and he's back to fishing, but he just brought in a long haul. And so if you're literal or a big haul, I don't know, he brought in 153 fish, whatever that means, all right? If you're literal, you might think he's talking about that. But man, I think he's talking about, do you love me more than the other disciples do? Because if we go back to the first passage, he was so bold in proclaiming his love. Man, we all love you, but I love you so much. Man, I'm willing to go to prison for you. I'm willing to go to the grave for you. That's how much I love you. And he just wants to ask him one more time, do you love me more than these? And he responds back, you know I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. He asked him the same thing. Man, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, you know I love you. And he says, tend my sheep. And man, there's a whole lot of like theological debate on what actual word are they using for the word love and, and, and which time are they using which word. But basically, check this out. I think Peter is just saying, man, my heart is open to you, Christ. And Jesus, man, you know everything. And so I want you to know, like, I love you with the best love at which a simple human man who has walked away from you can love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs, then tend my sheep. Remember, there's so much that can be unpacked. He's not calling him Peter. He's calling him Simon. 
you know, and maybe he's reminding him that he is to be the rock that he builds the church upon. And he's letting him know that, man, it's just not sufficient for you merely to offer the bread of life to the congregation. I'm asking you to feed my lambs, but I'm asking you to also tend my sheep. Peter, you got to be willing to love me so much that you understand whose flock you're looking after. And as a pastor, man, we have one who loves the Lord so much that he's willing to not only offer us the bread of life when we gather together on Sundays, but he's willing to properly attend to us, make sure that we're all here, that we're all regulated, that we're all guided. He's saying, don't just feed them, but shepherd them as well. And then the third and final time, he says, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, but we understand what he's doing right here. Man, not only is he restoring him, but he's restoring him in front of the disciples. And then he goes one-on-one and he's letting him know three times, fold. Man, I understand what you did because I told you you were going to do it, but now I'm restoring you. And here's the thing. He didn't say, Peter, like, are you sorry? He didn't say, Peter, will you promise to, like, never do this again? But instead, he challenged Peter to love. Love is Christ's love. And so Jesus asked each one of us, church family, not necessarily for obedience, not necessarily for repentance, not for vows, not for perfect conduct, but he asked us for a heart change. He asked us to have the heart of Christ. And when we have the heart of Christ, all those other things will follow. We don't do those things to earn salvation, but because he's given us salvation, man, we walk those things out. And the last thing that he says in this passage is after saying all of this, he says, follow me. Man, that's a dramatic moment that unfolds in just two words, follow me. But those are the same two words that started it all. Man, leave this job, leave everything that you know. And Peter was like, man, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do what you're asking me to do. And he says, that's okay. I'm going to qualify you. Man, I don't know enough to do what you're asking me to do. That's okay. I'm going to be your teacher. Come follow me. And in the same moment when he's restoring him, he says, come follow me. And in this time, and when you break down that phrase in its original language, Man, it's a present imperative, which means keep following me. See, that's what's so great about gathering together as the body. Look around. Man, there's people that don't look like you. There's people who have different color hair than you. There's people who have maybe less hair than you, all right? There's all types of people in this room right now. And man, when we follow him, We're called to keep on following. And that's why it's so important to be able to worship in a multi-generational setting. That's why it's so important to be able to gather on a family Sunday. 
So the young ones see the old ones saying, this is how I continue to follow him. See, Peter had followed Christ, but not continuously. And so for the future, he was to follow him steadfastly in the ways of the Lord. Church family, this is how I want to close. Man, I want to let you know on this Easter Sunday that Jesus specializes in calling the broken. Man, that's what Jesus specializes in. Man, if you feel like you're broken, all right, man, he's calling you. Man, he specializes in addressing us at the point of our deepest need. It's different for every person in this room. But he wants to meet you right there. And we have to understand that this doesn't mean that we never experience pain or sorrow again. But it means that he carries us through all of those times. It doesn't mean that he's saying it's going to be easy. But he's saying you won't have to go at it alone. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter confesses his inadequacy, his brokenness. He says, I'm not equipped. And Jesus responds by calling him to follow him. In John chapter 21, verse 17, Peter was grieved, right? We just read that. And again, Jesus says to him, follow me. May he renews the call to follow him after restoring Peter's failure. He renews the call to follow him after addressing his hurt. And so church family, those that are here today and those of y'all that are viewing online, man, do you have a sense of your need for Jesus to address the brokenness in your heart? Do you understand that there is something that Jesus is saying, I am ready to receive you. I'm ready to mend your brokenness. I'm ready to address your hurt. Because remember who he was talking to in these passages. He was talking to a Christ follower. Two times. The first time he said, follow me. And there's some of y'all that are here today, y'all follow Christ, but for whatever reason, man, maybe we've denied him in our actions, in our words, for whatever reason, maybe we've strayed away. Man, he's asking you today to reconnect. He's asking you today to follow him. And then there's other people in this room that, man, maybe you have not done the first one. Maybe you still have not chosen to follow him. And man, if that's you today, if you have not answered the call to follow him, if, 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 if you have not confessed your sins and, and asked him to be Lord over your life, man, you can do that today. Let me pray for us. As the band makes their way, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to celebrate that you are risen and to be able to celebrate the restoration that you give. God, let us never be so bold to think that we don't need you because everything that you've done in and through us is not because of us, but it's because of your son, Jesus Christ. And so God, uh, man, as we begin to sing this last song, God, I pray that it would be threefold. 
Number one, if somebody has yet to give their life to Christ, man, I pray that you would pull them to you today. God, if somebody has walked away, God, and they need to reconnect, God, I pray that they understand that restoration is waiting for them. And God, man, I pray that as a church family, God, we would be ready and willing to celebrate what all you have done on this day, not just this day, but every day that you give us breath. God, we ask all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.